You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Your old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand. For the times, they are a-changing. Yes, those are lyrics from another Bob Dylan song. What exactly is changing? Many things in our world. You and I feel them, even if we don't fully understand them. One of the biggest changes that we should be excited about is the new power we all have to communicate a message and reach a worldwide audience. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. We're fortunate that our host, Audible, is enriching lives. They are offering you, our storytellers, a free audiobook download of your choice, plus a one-month free trial of all of Audible service, and you get to choose from more than 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and take advantage of this wonderful gift. Remember that this show is enriched by our dialogue with you. So keep your comments and inspired thoughts coming. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. Today's guest is a man who definitely understood our new power to communicate and reach a worldwide audience. He took action on it a long time ago. He's what we call an early adapter. He's the head of content at Spreaker.com, the 2017 inductee into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. He's the former executive vice president and chief content officer at PodcastOne.com in Beverly Hills, California, and former content and business manager for podcasts and TV at Microsoft's Xbox Live and Zoom. He currently hosts the SpreakerLiveShow.com podcast Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and co-hosts NewMediaShow.com Live Saturday at 9 a.m. PST, noon EST. He is also the former lead host of Web Talk World Radio Show, recognized as the first nationally syndicated radio program in the world to begin podcasting on September 15th, 2004. I am excited and honored to introduce Rob Greenlee to our show. Rob, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm excited and honored to introduce Rob Greenlee to our show. Rob, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Lewis, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. It's uh, It's been such a pleasure to uh, kind of initially get to know you, and uh, I really look forward to learning more about you, too, and, and having a great conversation. So thank you. Thank you. I know we will, and I'm um, very intrigued by uh, what I have read in your bio. Where were you born, Robert? I was born in Spokane, Washington, up in the, uh, the beautiful state of Washington. So... It has all the seasons, uh, winter and summer up here. So it's a it's some it's a part of the, the the country that I've I've really I've spent my whole life in. I mean, though I've traveled a lot, but this is this is home. But you now live in in Seattle, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as far as Washington State goes and Seattle, 
I have never heard bad things about either of those places. Were we, <laughs> I haven't. Were you from a big family, Rob? No, I was, actually, I was an only child, so there were no other siblings from me. But I, I, I did uh, have two children with, uh, you know, a wife, and um, so I. But I've primarily been in a small family my whole life. Yeah. Well, my friend, I am also an only child. Now, you weren't born on June 11th, were you? <laughs> no, I was not. Okay. January 30th, actually. Okay. So. I was born on June 11th, an only child. Who, who influenced you the most when you were growing up? Oh, I played, uh, I played competitive sports when I was growing up. Uh, I, played, I played basketball. Uh, so I would say that my basketball coaches probably had the biggest impact on, on me and my growth and my development as a young man. So... Um, you know, the, the drive and the discipline and, and the hard work that goes into being a competitive basketball player, um, and finding a lot of success playing, playing sports and basketball as well also followed that. So I had a very positive experience. So I would say that the, probably about three or four coaches that I had, um, going from, um, just, when I was like nine years old up through um, college, uh, it was probably my biggest impact on how I turned out and how I how I developed. Was there one particular coach who stands out now for you? Yeah, I would say so. Well, there, there's probably a couple of them because they they uh, a couple of them played pretty pivotal roles at 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 a very important times in my life um, that that. Gave me strong, strong examples, and and really kind of cracked the whip on me a little bit, and and put me in a in a mental situation where I don't um, uh, how can I say this I don't uh, easily um, cave to either pressure or to um, being being intimidated or uh, or help me really realize that um, just because a person uh, is strong with you doesn't mean that they're that they don't have the best um, for you in mind by 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 really telling you um, how to to perform and how to be disciplined and and how to um, get get difficult things done uh, whether it's on or off the the court and I think that's the that's the legacy that I think of all the time as I make choices during my life is, is, you know, how did I handle this on, on the basketball court? Um, mm. what would my coach have, have re recommended that I, I change my mental, uh, thought process as I'm facing life challenges. That is a great lesson. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Now, what did your parents do? Both of them were teachers. Uh, so my father taught fifth grade and my mother taught kindergarten. Hmm. And, and so as I come you, from an education family, yeah. And, and now, so when you were uh, a young boy, did you have a, a kid's dream of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, for a long time, I wanted to be a, be a professional athlete. I wanted to go to college and then, and then play in the NBA. Like every little kid that starts playing basketball when they're growing up. <laughs> and what made you decide at some point that, well, that's not the road I'm going to take? Um, really, it was my own um, experience, my own um, actually thrust, putting myself in that world. I, I, I played basketball with, with a lot of uh, professional basketball players um, towards the end of my playing years and played a little semi-pro basketball, so I, I took myself as far as I could. Um, I mean, a lot of the successful NBA players um, just have a, a huge amount of talent um, that is so unusual. Um, I mean, you can be very skilled, uh, but there's this X factor of ability that you need to have to be a successful uh, professional basketball player at that level that um, I... I learned that I just didn't have. So I just didn't have that um, physical size. I didn't have, I mean, I was tall enough. I just didn't have the physical muscle mass and the speed and the ability to jump high enough. 
to be able to make it at that level. So mm-hmm. I, I I went as far as I could and and won championships and did a lot of things at the college level and and um, it, at the school level and like I said played played a little semi pro basketball. So I got exposed to that world and I got to know uh, what it, what it takes to play at that level and uh, um, I I took it as far as I could. I bet you still play basketball today. I do not. I am fully uh, retired there, sir. <laughs> no, I meant I meant the, the, uh, probably as a just for a pastime. Do you do it at all? Oh, I I'll, I'll occasionally go out in a court and shoot some baskets around. But uh, you know, at, at my age, I it's time to kind of hang the the ball up <laughs> on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so, what attracted you to the world of broadcasting? Well, it wasn't really um, what attracted me at all. It wasn't the world of broadcasting. It was actually what my passions were at the time were Mark. So I was a, a marketing major in college and put a lot of focus on my career and what I was learning and early on in my career and and um, got involved in doing uh, television, radio, uh, billboard, banner advertising all sorts of stuff early in my career for various jobs. I was a marketing director at a, at a couple of companies and this, uh, and just over, over time, I, I started to get gravitate more and more and in getting involved in, um, digital media, um, really. So when the, the world wide web started and the internet, and this was in the, the late nineties, um, I just naturally gravitated toward it because I, I saw it as a marketing opportunity. I saw it as a as a new medium, and I thought uh, this is this is the wave of the future. I could see what was happening. I could see the direction that it was going to take us, uh, and I created a a radio show that focused on talking about those topics. Uh, it was about the the nationally syndicated radio show that I did was about the World Wide Web and the Internet, and that was back during the time frame when there was a lot of mystique and a lot of uh, misunderstanding. And a lot of people that were curious about what was happening at that time, um, as the the World Wide Web was starting to take uh, take hold of people's lives and and start to change businesses and and um, bring new opportunity. And so I jumped in with both feet. I I I, I walked into a radio station uh, wanting to do uh, do a show. I was doing consulting work, um, helping companies get their their companies in search engines this was back in the back in the late 90s um it's a it's a complicated story and a and a fairly long one but i I just walked into a radio station and and started doing a show saturday mornings uh, called called the web talk guys and it was a a show that i had three other co-hosts and and we had a lot of fun on the show i had guests on from small companies like microsoft and semantic and and um um, ISPs, uh, you know, I say ISPs back in those days, they were dial up, um, online access provider mm-hmm. would come on the show and talk about trends and, and what they were seeing in the market. And just over six years, developed that show, um, took, took it out of the radio station actually, and took it home and built my own studio and started pre-producing the, the show for, uh, syndication to lots of different radio stations and, and, Publishing it online, doing streaming online, making the the show available as an MP3 download off of my website. I started doing that in 1999. Uh, so really, just kind of dove in and and really made it something of a marketing vehicle for me to kind of propel my career forward of what I was doing at that time, and that was helping people uh, market their businesses online. So I I wanted to become an expert in and be seen that way. Uh, so when I walk into a new client's office, I have some credibility. So that's, that's kind of where it started for me. It's great. It's a great story. And, uh, you were obviously a pioneer. Now, as you were speaking, a name jumps to mind. Are you familiar with Peter Diamandis? The name does, uh, it's a little familiar. Sure. The reason I ask and my, uh, my storytellers on this show, my audience, have heard me mention this book many times. They'll hear me mention it many times again. I think you'll, <laughs> I think you will love it. And it's right in line with what you're talking about, about how the digital technology in our world 
is completely transforming how we live. It's called Bold, How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World. Peter, Peter Diamandis and Stephen Cutler. I think you'll absolutely love it. I mean, because it's like you'll be saying, oh, I've been saying that for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, he's quite brilliant. Um, he has a, actually a university uh, called Singularity University where people are working on 10x thinking and harnessing this technology to improve the world on every single level, medical, um, energy, you name it. So I always love to know if people who have achieved success, like yourself, had to overcome any huge obstacles, either business obstacles or personal obstacles to get to where you are. Well, I would say that the one of the biggest things for me was uh, when I was a young child, I I had a speech impediment. I I I did not speak very well when I was young. Um, I had a stutter, and and it was really a challenge for me, and it really caused me to be really kind of um, closed up a little bit for a, a large part of my my younger years. I mean, I, it's hard for me to think sometimes that. Um, that I've I've really built my career on being a kind of a radio show host or, <laughs> or an audio uh, a spoken word audio production person um, given my my youth so it was I would say that's probably the biggest challenge that I was kind of overcoming that mental um, challenge of of um, having that limitation and being so self conscious of speaking um, speaking to others or speaking in public or whatever for for a large part of my my upbringing and to to come into a time in my life where where it was I, I was willing to put myself out there and take that kind of risk because even even when I started um, doing doing my radio show I was not percent confident in my my ability to present to others and and to I, it, you know I still had that kind of that stigma in my own mind you know and you say you know what you think um, is such an influence on on your your life and your perception of uh, others and and if um, that was the big challenge I, I had to transform how I thought of myself and and really kind of retrain myself how to how to speak um, and as I got a little older I think I got a little bit more mature about it I was able to um, get a little more calmer about it not so much be so self-conscious of it and fearful all the time it was really kind of overcoming that and and really being able to get get behind a microphone and just relax, uh, um, and just speak uh, slowly, speak concisely, speak so someone can understand me, um, and just focus. I mean, it was really about I think getting getting more mature, and maybe I just maybe there was some sort of medical issue in my brain or something like that that I was able to overcome through nutrition or something, or just mental rewiring of my brain or something, but. I was able to to start um, speaking and be able to to communicate uh, much easier the more I did radio. The more I put myself behind the microphone and and talk, the better I got at it. And I I guess it's just a skill. I didn't uh, I didn't put myself out there as a youngster and and uh, really challenge myself to get better as a presenter and a and a speaker. And I guess when you're a child, you don't really think like that. They, everything is so simple and and, and it's easy to just kind of pull back and, and not put, put yourself out there. Wow, that's a, that's a, a wonderful story. Now, did, was there a pivotal moment that you remember when you made a breakthrough from being, in a sense, afraid of speaking and stumbling with speaking through a stutter? And then you made a, like, do you remember a major breakthrough moment? No, I wouldn't say that there was really any major breakthrough moment. I, I, I mean, probably to some degree that, that that would probably be true. But I would say it's just little incremental improvements um, in how I think and how I process and my confidence. I, I, I think th there's definitely a linkage between uh, presenting and confidence. And ha having experience, I mean, I started back in the, the 
late nineties, I started going to conferences and I started to, to speak on panels and stuff on, on streaming and, and online radio, because I started to be seen as, as an expert or somebody that had built some level of success. Even early, um, I, I worked with a lot of local media in, in the Seattle area, uh, went on TV shows, did a lot of early, early media because of my radio show. And it just put me into a lot of different situations where I had to force myself to present either getting up in front of groups and, and moderating, uh, discussions or, or being, being leaders of, of various organizations that I was, I was doing back in those days. Um, it really just, it just kind of a little bit at a time and I still struggle with it sometimes, but, and it's, it's always there in the back of my mind as something that I have to think about. Um, but, but it's also something that I have this kind of this, this sheer confidence now because I've done this so many times that I don't walk into situations fearful anymore or, or just, you know, almost like shaking, which um, happened a lot when I was younger in this, um, where now I, I walk in the room and just realize that the biggest thing I can do is just get up here and just, um, think and react and talk and not, not so much get up there with, with this agenda or this script or something like that, that I have to make sure I cover, which creates a lot of stress because then I'm not, then I'm worried about saying exactly the right thing instead of saying the thing that I, I should say, because that's the, the best thing to say for the moment or based on the, the connection with the, the room or other people in the room and really listening to other people. And I think that that's the other part of this too, is being a good presenter and being a, an online r- r- radio person or whatever. I think you also have to be an outstanding listener too, because, and then uh, be able to think quickly and react and to create content that connects with other people. And the only way to connect with other people is to listen you know, I agree 100% with everything you just said. In fact, I teach presentation skills to business people. And what you said before about not using a script as a crutch is so important. And also the ability to just respond uh, in the moment and not worry about what you're going to say, because if you respond in the moment, you will say the right thing. But I'm just curious. I mean, when you got your first major radio job, were you stuttering at that time? I, I definitely had my struggles still at that time because I was, I was nervous. I was getting, getting started. And it wasn't really so much a radio job. I, I walked into a station and paid for my airtime. I mean, it, it was like my own business. So I walked in there. I've never held a, like a broadcast radio job per se. I was always, uh, one of those things where I I went in and created that opportunity for myself and mm. e- either paid for it or I got free free distribution. I I worked with a radio syndicator for a while that, that got me up on satellite radio for a while and then also wor- worked with the XM Satellite Radio Network for two years too and had a show on that platform as well. So, But most of my audience at the time came from just streaming radio online. Mm. Um, so it, it really was the combination of my radio distribution and on to as many, I think at one point I think I was on 17 radio stations Wow! and, and on the XM cell radio network. Uh, and then, but most of my audience was online. So, um, through, through streaming, through windows media streams or the, the real networks, um, streaming platform as well. So, there was all sorts of these listening platforms that were bubbling up as well back in the back in the early 2000s, even from companies like Microsoft that had a an early podcast type platform called Sync and Go, which actually worked with the Pocket PC device. So I was one of 13 co- content providers that Microsoft actually paid at the time to be on that platform. I got paid 25 cents per download of my radio show on their platform. Mm. So I, I was making like up to 5,000 a month. Uh, just just on getting paid for making my show available on a on a listening platform for Microsoft. Wow. So it was you know it was just one distribution point for myself. I mean I was on a whole bunch of other ones too. So it was 
really, I was really aggressive in those days about building distribution for my show and, and all sorts of new areas that were popping up because of what was happening with the internet and the web. There was so much experimentation that was going on back in the early days of the dot-com era. Um, so many new companies, so much venture capital flowing in there. People were trying all sorts of things. That stuff isn't really happening anymore. I mean, it's, it's really kind of, I mean, not to the same degree. I mean, it's, there's still startup companies um, starting up these days and trying to do new and different things. But I would say that there's nothing like what that era, I mean, I have yet to see that level of creativity and, and people really just coming up with all sorts of ideas, whether they've succeeded or not. There's just, and that's what was all the, such great content for the radio show that I was doing at the time too, because you know, movies and TV and everybody had this, like this mystique around what was happening with the internet, you know, mm-hmm. the matrix and, and uh, X-Files had a, like a, you know, some geeks on there that were very mysterious or hackers, you know, there was movies being made, you know, Sandra Bullock was, you know, a, a hacker. And so there was like this kind of mystique around that, that area. And, I, I was really tapping into that, you know, like I had TV show people on my on, on my radio show, and I'm I, I'm sure that you totally understand being being an actor yourself, doing a lot of television. Um, that during that era, I mean, I'm sure you remember that era. It was really kind of an interesting um, blend of of um, of kind of a, a change in culture and a change of perception, and people were seeing opportunity like never before. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Now, how is podcasting for our audience's benefit? How is it different from radio? I would say the big thing about it is that it's much more personal. Um, And that's how I think about it, too, um, is radio has been a fairly impersonal medium uh, for most of its existence, uh, where podcasting is like... uh, you know, in your inner ear, you know, you can't really get any more personal than a podcast. I mean, uh, that, that host or that, that program is like right there in your life. I mean, it couldn't be more close to you. And, and I think that's, that's the power of the successful hosts out there or, or the ones that can get in your ear and ca- captivate you and, and, you know, and drive some, some happiness and, and sadness and, give you the full spectrum of emotion. Uh, I think that's really the power of podcasting that's really different than radio. Uh, radio, from and, and it currently is today, is really a, a medium for delivering commercials. It's not a medium for, for really delivering, you know, emotional, engaging experiences. And, and I think the, that podcasting is, is what people want now. Oh, uh, I like radio that. Radio is not... Not so much what people want now. Yeah, I like that. That's that's very. It's a wonderful insight. And of course, when you said about delivering the full range of emotional experience, you hit on my passion because that's what dramatic communication is all about. Yep. Now you know. I'm curious. Why do you think podcasting is extremely popular, and at the same time? It's invisible to the majority of people. It's not on most people's radar. Um, I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, I think most people um, will will adopt this to some degree. Um, it's just going to take some time. There's a lot of uh, people out there that just haven't been introduced to it yet. Uh, if you look at the the studies and the research, it it, it, it still shows that radio is still still a dominant medium. It isn't like podcasting has replaced radio. It, it, it really hasn't. Uh, what, what podcasting has done is um, add to people's diet of audio um, because it's starting to, to cater to what, what people's needs are, and not everyone has discovered it yet. Um, and what, what typically happens is once you've discovered it, you're basically um, using podcasting more than you are radio. So those that do adopt, adopt rapidly and adopt pretty much completely. So it's almost like, uh, you know, a potent cup of coffee. Once you've had one cup, you're, you're addicted. So it's, it's kind of the same analogy. But I think mm. each person has to discover that, that show or that topic or that piece of content that is important to them. And I think that's 
that's where you get that connection or or that host that connects with that listener and those those connections take time to happen um, and they they may not naturally just flow into somebody's life it probably is a recommendation from a friend or a relative um, because that friend or relatives um, knows that other person and says you might really like this program um, because you have an interest in this and that host has the same interest in that and you should check it out and I think that's that's the real core of how this medium is growing mm. and and word of mouth communication is at the heart of this, either from the content creation side and the sharing of the availability of that content. Um, it's all based on personal recommendation and personal communications, and that takes some time. It does. I like that. I like that explanation. How do you see the state of podcasting in 2017? I see it as, a, um, as one that's growing, um, on the content side as well as the listener side, uh, but it's also growing from a business perspective. Um, there's more and more success uh, happening uh, from the standpoint of people building careers around this, around audio creation, uh, marketing, business, advertising, um, all, all levels um, of participation in this medium. Um, yeah, it used to be when I first started in this medium that um, everybody that was involved in this medium was behind the microphone, right? Um, now today, I would say probably only half of the podcast community is actually behind the microphone. So, and that's that's part of a of a significant change that's happened um, over the last I would say over the last three to four years, um, where where most of the people that were driving this this I was call, call it call it an industry now. Um, were content creators? They were the guys that were, or the guys or gals that were behind the microphone that were producing the content. They were distributing it. They were publishing it. They were doing everything. But now we're starting to see businesses form where there's people that that are involved in this industry pretty deeply that are not behind the microphone. They're not they're not talent too. So. They they have talents in other areas, but they're, they're not as talented on the uh, spoken word side or the content production side. Um, they're they may be talented at selling advertising, or they may be talented at at business development, or they may be engineers uh, writing software. Or, um, so this this space has really kind of grown and developed over the 13 years of its existence, and and now it's truly an industry. And now you get public radio involved, and that now you, you're seeing more and more commercial radio uh, start to embrace podcasting, and and it's really blossoming into something um, that's really special, and it's it, but it's growing at a very steady rate. There's no hockey stick growth going on right now; it's just steadily growing, and I think it's a healthy growth too because you don't want to outpace your audience with too much content. So mm -hmm. content is maybe a little bit more coming out now than it probably um, should to be in proper balance with the audience. Um, but I think um, having a leading edge of more content will drive more audience too. So, you know, just keeping this balance between listeners and producers is the key. <laughs> mm. What would you say is the, the biggest change since 2004 when you began and podcasting today the biggest change uh is just the breadth of content i think is the biggest biggest change um back when podcasting started it was a fairly narrow uh, um spectrum of content that was available this medium um and it was a lot of technology programs like like myself i had a technology type program um and that was fairly indicative of the day because a lot of geeks were involved in this. A lot of people that were technically skilled, but, but maybe not as technically uh, or not as skilled um, verbally or from a communication standpoint. There, there was a lot of a lot of guys early on, and I, I put myself in that spectrum too. I mean, I had a speech issue when I first got started. So I, I wasn't exactly a great communicator when I first started doing this because I was doing it for, for other reasons. I was doing it for... Because I saw it as a marketing medium, and mm. so it wasn't like I came came to it as talent, right? So, uh, what's happened over, over the years is um, um, a lot more talented people have gotten into the space, 
um, that are vocally talented, um, whether they've come out of radio or they've just they've come out of theater or they've come out of um, acting uh, or they're just really great professional presenters. Um, mm -hmm. I think those are the people that have started to come into this medium that have really taken it to the next level. Mm. And hmm, that, that's really great. What what would you say? Um, oh, one yeah, one thing before we leave this topic about the changes. What about the difference in the actual quality, the actual technical quality of the of the podcast being put out? Yeah, it's gotten a lot better over the years too. The the bandwidth that's available, um, and that's you know online bandwidth has has uh, skyrocketed. Um, back back when I first started doing audio programs online, um, the encoding bit rates that I, I used, and that's the that's the playback quality of the audio, um, was pretty low because people had very slow connections to the internet. If you think mm. back in the 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 90s people were connecting to the internet on dial-up modems and, <laughs> and those were those were pretty slow connections, like 56a type connections and and now we're you know we're talking 200 megabytes per second so i mean you just you know the the spectrum there that that we had to work with i mean i was streaming some of my shows at 32k uh, now i i make my audio shows available at 128k Back in those days, that was some of the fastest connections that you could get to the internet was 128k. So, um, but now you know, making your show available in a CD quality um, audio production is like commonplace now. So, uh, um, I think quality has really um, been enabled by by the technology, and I think uh, with that, expectations have risen on the audience side too people want to listen to pleasant sounding audio in their ears <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's, it's just i mean i would i don't know about you but i would much rather listen to a pleasant sounding um, audio production than than one that's you know has fairly questionable audio quality so it's yeah. just a much more pleasant experience you can listen longer you can feel more comfortable um it seems like that person is right there versus kind of like yelling through a tin can from across the room, right, uh, which, right. which is a lot of what that audio sounded like back in those days. So, mm. um, so I think it's really improved a lot. Plus the, the microphones have gotten a lot less expensive for, for the quality you can get. Um, you microphones are just amazing now. Um, you know, the kind of audio quality you can get out of them now. I mean, back when I, started doing this i had to have expensive studio equipment and um uh, $700 microphones and and very very expensive um audio gear to be able to get good audio production and i think i spent $20,000 on my studio in my home so wow. uh, now I, I i do it off of uh off of a, a surface tablet a mackie mixer and a sure microphone and and um that's pretty much the you know it's probably a maybe a $700 setup or something like that. So mm. it's, it's definitely uh, um, changed a lot, but quality has been important to me as well. So, and I've tried to, tried to pursue as best a quality production as I can, but I also like portability too. <laughs> oh yeah, I do too. I listen to podcasts now on a daily basis when I go to the gym. Now, who should consider doing a podcast and why? I think anyone should do a podcast. I think if you have a passion for something in your life and you think that there's an opportunity to to uh, put that out there and build an audience, I think you should go for it. I think you, you should do it. Um, I, I don't think there's anything really holding anybody back in this this space other than their creativity and their, their imagination. Um, there's no real financial hurdles you have to get over that are significant. There's no... Um, production challenges there's nobody that's going to tell you you can't do something um it's totally up to you it's not like the old days of radio where you had to get past a gatekeeper that would say well you have to produce this or else you won't get on the air uh that doesn't exist anymore so i think anyone should should do it if they have a passion mm. um talk about it audience will follow passion audience will follow someone that um uh, is a connector audience will follow someone that is has a a story or you know, has an entertaining journey or is a, 
is a thoughtful person. I, I think um, audiences will find those people. And, and as long as you, you think about the other person and how you communicate and you understand what is important to them, I think you'll, you'll connect with people and you'll build an audience. It may not be a huge audience, but it will be a following. I mean, even if you have 100 people listening to your show, how many people up till now have had a hundred people listen to what they say at one time? Um, you know, I mean, really, I mean, let's, let's just call it, I mean, a lot, a lot of podcasters I've heard complain, oh, I only have a hundred listeners. I go, you have a hundred listeners. You have a hundred people that are paying attention to what you're saying and are riveted on every word that you utter in your podcast. I'll say wouldn't be there. And, and if you can get up to 200 people or 300 people, um, there's, keynote speakers that speak to smaller audiences than that so you know it's all about perspective mm-hmm. that's great so how can someone who knows nothing about podcasting get started demystify it for us well it's really as simple as really coming up with an idea um, and setting some goals for yourself um, and then charting a, a path towards just getting some very big things pulled together um, get a microphone um, once you figured out what you want to, you know, even to get started with what you want to record and then just start doing it, get a microphone, get some, uh, recording software, actually Spreaker, the company I work for offers free recording software. So you can just download an app for your iOS, Android, uh, uh, Windows phone or Mac and just hit the record button and start talking uh, and, and start recording and putting it out there. Because I'll tell you, at the beginning of your podcast, uh, nobody's going to be listening. So, so you have no fear. <laughs> you shouldn't have any fear of doing it. Um, and then each time you do a new episode, um, learn from that. Go back and listen to it. Listen to other people's podcasts and, and try and come up with your own formula for, for what works for you. Uh, what, what is sustainable for you? What uh, keeps you motivated? What keeps you able to every Wednesday get up and record an episode? Um, those are those are drivers. I mean, a lot of people start podcasting and they do what's called pod fade because they either run out of something to say or they come up with a topic that wasn't sustainable um, or they just didn't have the passion for it. Um, so, and sometimes life gets in the way, no matter, regardless, right? Now, life circumstances change. You lose a job or whatever, and you have to refocus down. There's a lot of things that can happen that can cause you to stop podcasting. But, um, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 13 years, so I haven't been doing the same show for 13 years, but I've at least been doing some show for the, for the last 13 years or multiple shows myself. Uh, so it's really just keeping connected to what, what is important to you. Uh, but as far as getting started, just uh, come up with an idea and then start doing it, get a microphone Get a hosting account like a Spreaker or there's a bunch of other companies, Lipson, Blueberry, um, SoundCloud, however you, wherever you want to go to host your podcast. Um, the, the, there's lots of great places to, to do that. But those platforms will help you distribute your show to all of the listening platforms too. Um, so and give you all the tools that you need to be successful. Um, and But then at the end of the day, it's up to you. It's up to up to you to create the content and do it regularly and be there for your audience and connect with your audience and listen to your audience and talk to your audience. Uh, talk to an individual. Uh, talk to one person. So when you talk in your podcast, talk like you're talking to one person, uh, like you're having coffee with them at Starbucks. And if you do that, you will create a program that will, that will be, have a higher chance of success. I agree. These are very, very excellent tips. What is the income potential of podcasting? Well, really, it's unlimited. Uh, I would say it's it's what you what you put into it is what you get out of it. I think uh, just like anything else, um, there there are shows that are making you know millions of dollars a year. Um, so it's it's at that level all the way down to making making enough to buy a cup of coffee so it goes it goes the whole term it really gets back to the topic your talent your determination your creativity um and you know but it's all available to you 
there's nothing to hold you back. So um, some someone, I, 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 yeah, someone who's listening might be thinking, okay, if someone is making a million dollars, let's say, with their show, how are they making it? Where is that money coming from? It's usually coming from a combination of um, ad sales, um, ticket sales, because they're probably doing live events, and merchandise sales, whether it be um, um, T-shirts, um, wine, <laughs> mangria. Oh, oh um, wine. We're talking. Are you talking about Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah. Well, Gary is Gary. Gary is a, a classic example as well. You know, guys like Adam Carolla, which are they're they're TV folks, uh, but they're radio folks too. But I I was involved in working with Adam Carolla's show a little bit, and I I know where he gets his his source of income from to some degree around his podcasts, and it's typically advertising, merchandise, and speaking appearances. You know, um, live on stage stuff. So he's you know he's kind of an exception. I, not everybody's going to be Adam Carolla or have that talent. Um, but I think it's an example of where where success comes from in this space, and also uh, there there are the podcasters that are book authors, and um, they're they're also maybe actors and other things. I mean, you don't have to make money directly from podcasting to be successful at podcasting. You can do a podcast to, to support you know other professional activities that you have in your life as a way to build expertise in your community or in your 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 particular industry. So th there's a lot of ways that you can benefit from having a podcast, mm -hmm. um, not just directly from advertising. And now to really help people appreciate how easy it is to get started, could you begin to compare the cost of starting a radio show, a TV show, and a podcast? Well, first of all, I probably wouldn't recommend starting a television show at this point. Um, be, <laughs> but you could... But you could probably start producing, you know, like a show on YouTube or something like that. I mean, you can't, um, there's nothing hold you back from producing um, written, visual, or video, or spoken word content. I mean, this couldn't be a better time um, in, in the history of the planet or the history of our civilization to be a content creator, um, whether it be video at all levels. Um, as well as audio. So, um, and those, those that are talented writers have a place too. So, you know, I, I think whatever your talent is that you have, um, I think the, the opportunity is there before you, um, like, like never before. So at the same time, it's probably as competitive as it's ever been too. So you have to bring your, bring your A game, as they say, um, to compete in a very competitive landscape. But the opportunity is there. So give people an idea of some of the basic, simple, physical tools they would need and what the cost of those tools would be to get started. I, I would re recommend, um, if from an equipment perspective, I, I would recommend starting out very simple um, with audio gear. Don't, uh, don't go out and spend $10,000 on buying microphones and and recording equipment. I would go out and keep it very simple. Um, most of us have a laptop or um, some sort of a, a computer device, uh, whether it be a desktop computer or something like that, and just go out and get an inexpensive USB microphone. Um, I would re recommend the Audio-Technica ATR2100. Uh, it's about $89, and it has the ability to plug into a USB connection, um, or it has the ability to plug into an, I know it's called an XLR um, input. So if you want to eventually get a, a mixer for your recording setup, um, you, you can easily use that microphone with a mixer as well. So it has both inputs um, um, or outputs on the back of the of the microphone. You can also listen with headphones with it too. It has a little volume control on the microphone as well. It doesn't record, so you still have to get recording software in your computer. Um, there's a free recording software. There's a recording software called Audacity um, that's available out there if you don't want to spend any money at all. Uh, and that will allow you to do some wave editing. And that's audio wave editing. So if you want to do any post-production of your recordings, but you can record directly into to Audacity. 
uh, and then do your editing and then save it out there as an MP3 file. Uh, there's other software out there too. Um, Sony, Sony SoundForge is another one. It's like $69. It's, it's uh, very similar to Audacity. It has a little bit more bells and whistles and a, a l- little bit more um, capability around uh, filtering and, and compression. And I would also, uh, speaking of compression, I would also recommend a free software plugin called Levelator, which will enable you to kind of level the audio of your recording to a to a good listenable level, and so if you record in segments, maybe you record at different times. You 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 have an interview um, that you do, and then you voice the other parts, and you kind of put them together in your software. Then you save that out as a WAV file. Uh, that's an audio WAV file. That's an uncompressed audio file, and then just run that through this free software called Levelator. And what it will do is it'll level all the audio out to be the same volume level. So when the, the listener listens to it, it sounds like a perfectly level audio experience, right? So people aren't turning up and down the volume, trying to keep up with your, your volume levels, which um, oftentimes happens when people record podcasts. So, mm. um, yeah, you know so what? It's a, it's a I've, been, tip. Mm. <laughs> I've been doing a podcast for a long time, and I use Audacity, which I love, but I'm now going yeah. to look into this. Thanks for that tip. It, and it's it's a great price too. It's free. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Levelator. So it's actually right? a piece of software. Yeah, it's a piece of software that was written by a fella who was one of the pioneers in the podcasting space. He was um, creating um, audio programs that had like um, had different segments to them that were pre-produced. And what he was doing is he was uh, kind of stitching those together. And sometimes they had different audio levels. Um, so you know he would record the intro one segment and then he would record the the body of the content in another separate audio file and he would combine them uh, you know using his uh, wave editor and and then he would save them and then oftentimes the, the the sound volumes would be all over the map because they were recorded different times different settings different people recorded them and so it, he did, he wrote the software to just level it all out that's why it was called the levelator and, and how do you how do you spell boosted, boosted. how do you spell that how do you spell it? Just L E V E L A T O R. And is it uh, Mac? Revelator. Is it Mac compatible? Yes, Mac and and, and Windows. Yes. Beautiful. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be downloading so, it today. <laughs> awesome. And it's yeah. free, and it's also very easy to use. You just drag and drop your wave file right on top of the software. And it already has; it's already pre-configured with all of the um, the optimization settings. Wow! Uh, so you just drop it on there, and it, what it will do is it'll spit out a new version into the same folder that you dragged it from, hmm. and it'll be in there, and it'll have like an extension on the file name called output. So so you know which file is which um, that was optimized, and you just drag that back into your editor again. And um, do any little cleaning up that you want on that, and then re-encode that into an MP3 file, and uh, you're good to go. Beautiful. And uh, the last thing for listeners who might still have some questions, um, people do not have to be in the same studio. Uh, right now, Rob is in um, Seattle. I'm in the yep. on the on the East Coast in Toronto, and we are connecting through Skype. Which is also free yes. for you. There you go. Um, yeah, and, and Spreaker also makes software that connects to Skype and and will record these two way communications too. That's free. It's um, it's for Windows and Mac. Fantastic, so, fantastic. Yep. I'm using uh, Ecam, which uh, uh, I got for Skype, and I uh, I love the program. I can actually export the files. Uh, your track and mine separately if I want to. And oh, that's I, great. I, I think it was about, I don't know, eight or, it was very, I think I paid something, but it was basically maybe one or two Starbucks coffees, something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good price, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's excellent. Yeah. So now, where do you see podcasting five years from now? I see it steadily increasing and growing. Uh, I, I don't see any major um, upticks in popularity. Popularity or expansion, growth—it's just going to be a steady, um, 
you know, probably 10, 15% growth every year for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, and, and I think over the next few years, though, it's going to start really chipping away at, at radio's listening base. Mm-hmm. Uh, radio is still pretty dominant, but what we've, what we have happening right now is, um, all of our cars are starting to transition to being rolling iPads. So, so, and that's going to transition a lot of people's media consumptions in the car. Mm. Um, so, uh, the, the radio dial is not going to be the first thing that you experience when you get in the car. It's going to be a row of apps, um, that you can tap on the screen or activate with your phone, uh, whether it be Pandora, whether it be Spotify, whether it be TuneIn, um, you know, all sorts of, you know, speaker listening apps. Um, you can have really sources of your own audio from your own choosing that will be on the dashboard of your cars. So, and you can set them to be your default. Android Auto and CarPlay from Apple are going to be the two dominant platforms that are going to be in the car. And uh, both those platforms, um, Apple at least, has right up front on the front screen um, that you will see when you get in your car is going to be the little podcast icon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to be AM, FM radio in everybody's car. Now, that's going to be a transition that's going to take five to ten years because I don't know how long you hold on to your car, but I hold on to mine for a long time. Um, so I don't buy new cars very often. And that's what's going to delay this transition. That's the, that's the saving grace for radio. I mean, I go to a lot of radio conferences and I know that there's a there's two camps at those radio conferences. Those are the ones that are in denial about what's happening, and they see that they have market dominance today, and they think everything is cool. And then there's the other side of the industry that's like going, okay, that may be the case right now, but 10 years from now, we probably will have a half the audience we have today. You so, know what? Oh, wow. Yeah. But you just said these people should all be reading Bold by Diamandis because he begins with the, the story – of Kodak that did exactly that. They had the market dominance on film, and when digital technology, digital photography came on the scene, they said, well, it doesn't not, doesn't touch us. Uh, we're about film. They're, they're, they're digital, and we'll just ignore yeah. it. And because they ignored it instead of embracing it, they became extinct. Basically, they filed Chapter 11, and went under as a dominant player, and now we all take digital photographs. It's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think radio is really um, destined to be gone. Um, it yeah. may take twenty years, um, but but I don't see a pathway for them to survive this transition. No. Um, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time, and that that spectrum that they use today will be used for digital transmission. They won't be used for, for, for radio in the long run. That's, that's my prediction. <laughs> Look, all of our smartphones have that little podcast icon. And now when I go to the gym in the morning, I, I press that icon and choose the podcast that I want to listen to while I'm working out. So yeah, I get you. Um, where do you see yourself in five years from? Uh, hopefully on a beach in Hawaii. I'm drinking a Mai Tai. No, just kidding. No, um, why not? I think just Yeah, there you go. I don't know. I mean, I I, I think I'm going to keep working in this this space uh, for many years to come. So I'm, I'm not done yet. So I'm going to see how far I can take it. But do you have a specific so, vision for what you'd like to be accomplishing or doing in five years? Um, hmm. I hadn't really thought about that here recently. So... I think I've just been um, trying to live in the moment. Um, I haven't really set a, a goal for, for that type of thing as I look mm-hmm. into the future. And I guess I haven't really um, thought like that um, up till this point, just because I've been about thinking about the future, but I've been really thinking about the future from the perspective of what's happening in the market uh, and then trying to, trying to be, be ahead of it um, but but I do need to think about you know what what my goals are. I mean I feel like I've kind of 
reached a lot of the goals that I've had so far. So it, it may be time to reassess. <laughs> well, look, so, well, whatever works for you, when you feel the need to um, look at that, that's when you'll do it. Do you have a favorite book? Actually, I don't really read um, books um, like like in the the type that you may be referring to very often. I I don't um, typically read books like that. So how do you know? How do you how do you know books like that? I haven't told you what I like <laughs> except bold. Well, I guess <laughs> I, I honestly. I live such a busy life that I just don't have time to sit and read books. I just don't. Um, I'm, from the minute I, I, I get up to the minute I go to bed, I'm, I'm running 100 miles an hour doing what I'm doing. So I, I, I just don't find that I have time to read books, honestly. I get you. What, a, uh, what about so, audio? What about audio books in your car? Um, I listen to podcasts um, at all levels. I try and stay in direct contact with people that are important um, and, and talk to them and share. And I go to conferences and I, I listen to all forms of media. Uh, I try and think a lot about what's happening in the world. Um, stay, stay connected to what's happening in geopolitics. And I, I travel the world. I go, go to Europe twice a year um, for, for business. And I just, try and stay stay connected as a human being to the planet and what's happening with um, what's going on in the world and i guess you know taking time out to read books is not something that is part of my life yet maybe it will be at some point i got you um, yeah that's cool yeah that's cool yeah what about a favorite quote do you have a favorite quote no, I can't think of one. <laughs> sorry well, no, don't be sorry. you know what? I like it because this is unique. You know, you don't have one, and that, that you don't. You're not required to. That you will not be. No, no, no. You will. You will not have to pay a fine because you didn't have a, a book and a quote. <laughs> good. Good to know. I because I, I feel a little guilty about it sometimes. <laughs> oh no. Uh, guilt. Guilt is a useless emotion, my friend. I. Uh, that, That's that, true. It is. It, it really is. How can people contact you? Probably the best way is on online. Actually, I spend a fair amount of time on Twitter. So, I, you know, if you're a participant in the, the Twitter sphere, you can certainly find me there um, at Rob Greenley, just my just my full full name, uh, with two e's on the end. And and then I I, I do have a website um, at Rob Greenley, the same name. And uh, I do two two podcasts every every week. So I and both of them are live. Uh, I'm a big uh, fan of live production, and actually, the other show that I do, the the new media show, is actually a live video show as well. So I'm I'm actually on the video side on that program as well on Facebook and YouTube. So so that's done simultaneously on both of those platforms. And uh, uh, what are the names of those shows? Uh, the live video show is called. Uh, the new media show. It's at newmediashow.com. The newmediashow.com. And then, yeah, and it's done live every Saturday morning uh, at 9 a.m. Pacific. And then the other program that I do is called the Spreaker Live Show, which is a a live audio show on the Spreaker platform at spreaker.com. Uh, if you go to spreakerliveshow.com. Uh, you can find that program as well. That that's a live program. Actually, I do every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific. And if people um, they are hearing the word speaker, it's not speaker. It's Spreaker. S P R with an R. Yeah, that's right. That's right. S P R E A K E R liveshow.com. Yes. And you mentioned the website at Rob Greenley. The word at. Well, at is my Twitter handle. Right. Uh, uh, RobGreenlee.com is my is my website. Okay. And then if you want to send yeah, if you want to send me an email email, you can send it to Rob at Spreaker um, as well, or Rob at RobGreenlee.com will work as well. Good, my friend. Any final thoughts for our storytellers today? I would just say if you're th- Thinking about uh, producing a podcast, just 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 do it, as they say, as 
that's one quote that I can quote. Uh, <laughs> a quote that, that Philip Knight uh, coined, who's the founder of Nike, um, said, just do it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rob has just given you some really valuable stuff to think about, about harnessing your um, your passions, about channeling your passions, and expressing yourself. And who knows, it could even turn into a career. Thank you so much. Uh, you've delivered wonderful value, and it's been so engaging. Thank you again for uh, for contributing. Well, thank you, uh, Lewis, for having me on your, your program, and I wish you the most luck out there with your own show. Thank you again. Thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time with us today. If you enjoyed the show and if you love podcasts, please pay this forward. Let people know that they can hear this particular show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. And at that site, you have access to a free gift I created for you, a downloadable ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. You heard me get excited again about the book Bold, How to Go Big, Create Wealth and Impact the World by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kettler. I know that this book will excite you, expand your world, and help you to change your story. And you have the privilege as a listener to this show to get a free audio version of it by simply going to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. You get to choose either that book or any other of your choice from more than 120,000 titles, and you will get access for an entire month to all of Audible's service for free. Now, the message in this podcast was quite clear. You have a new power to communicate something that's inside of you, your message, your story, and to reach a worldwide audience. Think about it this way in the next week. Whatever you're dying to express that you haven't is a part of you that hasn't yet been born. Not only that, it is a part of you that can enrich you and many, many other people. It is a gift. So reach down inside. Ask yourself, what is it that I really want to say to the world? And then explore the possibility of doing it with a podcast. If you're afraid, and most of us are, about doing anything new, begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.